0: Global
1: Capital Podcasts
2: Hello and welcome to the Global Capital Podcast. I'm Ralph Sinclair and I'm the Frequent Issuers Managing Editor at Global Capital.
1: And I'm the corporate finance and sustainability editor, John Hay.
2: Each week we bring you the most interesting stories
1: we can find from the world's
2: capital markets, and we have a new episode out every Friday, so please subscribe for free at any podcast platform. And of course, everything we discussed today you can read about at GlobalCapital.com. Now, as we record this on Friday morning on the 23rd of September, we eagerly await a mini budget from uh, the new UK Chancellor of the Exchequer, Kwasi Kwarteng. Uh, In fact, it's going on as we record. Um, Now, it may turn out to have all sorts of treats in store for uh, those in the UK government bond market, but one thing that the country's new chancellor is expected to do is to remove the cap on bankers' bonuses. We'll be going through that in detail with our equities reporter, Victoria Teela, later on. But first, there have been some radical developments in the ESG-themed government bond market, haven't there, John? And this takes us back to an issue we've covered before on the podcast, Uruguay
1: yes that's right um for 3 years uruguay has been working on a project <coughs> which is which is quite uh, adventurous and innovative and it's now got to the point of publishing uh, the details of of what it's going to do and this is a sustainability linked bond um now when when uruguay started working on this there, only one sustainability linked bond had ever been issued uh the month before and that was by nl the italian uh, electricity company um, mm. so you, Uruguay seized on the idea, idea very quickly and 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 they've been sort of working out how to do it now the interesting thing is that they want to do it differently from everybody else who's issued one so far they want to include uh, terms so that the the interest rate on the bond can be adjusted downwards as well as upwards um, now in an SLB the 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 interest rate can go up if the issuer fails to hit a sustainability target, essentially. Um, So the investor gets a bonus if they if they go off track. Um, But Uruguay want a a sort of more balanced structure in which they can actually benefit if they really outperform.
2: Yeah, and this is uh, something that we've seen in sustainability linked lending, isn't it? And um, there was an important uh, development last week that we discussed on the podcast where we we saw step down, coupons in the short shine market so um, perhaps you can just briefly go over that John and uh, explain why it works in loans and not necessarily in
1: bonds well sustainability linked finance comes from the loan market it it originated with with corporate loans provided by um, close banks that that, that work very that that have a strong relationship with 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 a company and and in fact it grew out of an idea that that has existed in the low market for a long time, which is that if the credit quality of a borrower changes, the interest rate can be adjusted up or down, and that' just makes obvious sense um you know it benefits the company if they can improve their credit quality and and benefit on the on the interest rate and equally it protects the banks if they get worse so um you know the the bank market was used to this idea and they they then applied it to sustainability um and you know but in the in the bank loan market deals are negotiated behind closed doors between you know a close group of of uh colleagues essentially the the banks and the, and the company now the, the bond market isn't like that it's um it's an arm's length market the investors there are hundreds of them they don't have to have any relationship with the borrower um they're not investing to do the borrower a favor but purely because they think it's uh, a good investment for them and and that's why introducing the, the risk that the interest rate might be reduced is um, sort of goes against the grain in the bond market. And and the point about the Shulchan market is that it's a sort of halfway house between the two markets. And so the, the investors are arm's length. They don't have a relationship, but they have accepted um, coupon step down deals.
2: Now before our listeners accuse us of having an unhealthy obsession with Uruguay um <laughs> what stage is this is this particular deal at like, Why why we why are we talking about this again this week uh, what's what's changed
1: Yeah well they they've um published what's called the sustainability linked uh, bond framework which is a long document which explains all the thinking around it what the criteria are going to be that Uruguay will use and I have to say it's been done impressively it's a very detailed document there's a lot of information about how Uruguay uh, manages particularly two issues which is what the bond if it brings one are going to be is going to be around one of them is uh, greenhouse gas emissions uh, across the country and the other is uh, reforestation and they're looking particularly at what's called native forest, um, in other, you know, in other words, not sort of industrial tree plantations. Um, mm. And and um, the company, the country, has actually had had a terrific record of of in, of increasing its native forest um, between about 1980 and 2012. They a, they actually managed to reforest, which which goes against the the trend in you know an awful lot of countries. And, you know, so Uruguay is sort of particularly proud of this and they want to continue that work.
2: So what does the market think? I mean, obviously, Uruguay has done this in consultation with uh, investors and banks. So it's it's clearly not just going to spend three years doing a thing that only it thinks is, is worthwhile. Um, what's the feedback been that you've received? Because you've, you've covered this in a story with our... Uh, us bureau chief Oliver west this week
1: yeah it's super interesting uh, you know not very often in capital markets does something really new come along that is um genuinely challenging to the investors But but this is an example of it and and how the deal goes if they do bring one will be will be extremely interesting and and right down to the very details of how it's priced which which will matter a lot but what we've been able to gather so far <clears throat> My colleague Ollie, spoke to several um, Latin American bond investors at the time in July when Uruguay took some soundings with investors, and 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 actually said the response was quite in, quite enthusiastic. You know they were interested in it, they respected what Uruguay was trying to do, they were open to it, they didn't freak out about the um, you know possibility of the coupon variation. But of course that's you know anecdotal. He he can't speak to tens and dozens of investors um we've also spoken to bankers who specialize in sustainable finance and have been thinking about this issue for you know a long time and you know some of them are adamant that this is unlikely to happen they they say you know bond investors don't like coupon step downs so it's probably not going to catch on and uh, 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 but some others are really enthusiastic about it and they think it's got great potential um and essentially that it moves closer to investors genuinely sharing the ESG risks and rewards that, that exist with the issuer.
2: Yeah, now we, we don't have an unhealthy obsession with Uruguay, but we, we, <laughs> we do care about it. Um, but I guess what we really care about is whether this sort of deal will catch on or whether other mm-hmm. sovereigns uh, will do this and whether investors will buy it. I mean, do, do we think it will work? The people. I mean, I know you've had you've had quite a sort of mixed response, I suppose, from the people yeah. you've spoken to. But I guess Uruguay also has enough comfort to feel like it can push on.
1: Yeah, I mean, the simple fact is we don't know, and 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 this is what's so interesting. the The Uruguay deal will be will be a genuine test, and we'll discover, we'll learn mm-hmm. an enormous amount from that. I think what's quite likely to happen is that the investors will charge. You know, they will charge something for it. Yeah. Basically, that they'll be thinking. Right. If the interest rate is four percent for the sake of argument, um, but it could go down to three point seven five percent after two years, if, yeah, if, if Uruguay the misses the uh, if Uruguay hits the but hits the, the KPI, yeah. Yeah, then we're gonna think, well, we, we can't ignore that. So we've got to we've got to price the bond as if that might happen. Now it doesn't mean they'll assign a hundred percent probability to that. Um but they might they may charge for say 60% 50% of 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 the likelihood of that happening now it will be difficult to tell because bond pricing you, you know is always a bit of an art rather than a science and you know it depends uh, how the market's yeah, feeling there's so many today. Other variables there's so many variables but nevertheless that will be very closely watched and um and i think to the extent that um to the extent that they charge, take away all the benefit, as it were, mm. then I think it, you could argue that that means um, the the disincentive for investors to participate goes away, right? Why shouldn't investors buy these bonds? Because, you know, they can, they can, they don't have to suffer much. Um, mm. But equally, it, it reduces the incentive for other issuers to, to try it. So um, probably for the for the if for this product to catch on, something in the middle is probably. I feel like this is I
2: feel like this mm. is sort of a niche product as far as sovereign debt mm. goes. It won't be for every sovereign, will it? In fact, I spoke to um, a Eurozone uh, sovereign debt manager about this yesterday, and mm-hmm. his view was um, that it certainly wasn't for him, and it would be a struggle to catch on in bigger markets because it overcomplicates what government debt is supposed to be. So first of all, it's yet another product. Mm -hmm. And this is a market that really, you know, governments like to set simple benchmark type deals out there uh, that Mm -hmm. everyone can copy and everyone can understand. And uh, first of all, it sort of takes away from the liquidity of their overall debt program. Because all of a sudden you're hiving off issuance into these other sort of special yeah. special types of issuance. Um and I guess the other problem was how do you make this as a, a bulk standard product, which is what the government bond market tends to like? Because every issuer will have different KPIs. Mm. And comparing those and the probability of uh, the issuer hitting or missing those is going to, again, vary, very considerably. So I, I wonder if it's going to be something that will work best for you know, smaller sovereign issues like Uruguay and probably some other sort of emerging market issuers, yeah. and probably not something. I guess certainly for now, for the likes of Germany, the UK, and uh, whoever else.
1: Yeah, you could well be right, um, but I mean, I, I think everything you say is very true and and valid. I I, I would say that everybody said the same about green bonds, and mm. um and and you know perhaps some people still think that, but but the fact is virtually every government in the developed world with the exception of the US um and, and Australia, Australia Russia, yeah. i mean I, I think um have have now have now issued them and even germany which was super proud and and sort of uh uh protective of its very liquid government bond market they've They've got their heads around it and and have issued special bonds that that are green so um it, it, you know what what you say is perfectly true, but you know it, it, things can be surprising um yeah I, I do think another another example to point to is Chile right and and that's very interesting Chile um was quite early as a government in issuing green bonds it's also issued social bonds um it's, it now does a lot of its international borrowing in this form. And it's also issued a sustainability linked bond um the only government to have done it um although that deal does not have the step down feature it's just step up but um but Chile i it, it, it probably benefited i think a lot from from this approach because it really has presented itself in the bond market as a as a kind of country with sustainability uh top of mind and i think that that's sort of perhaps the ultimate benefit uh, countries can get from this
2: I guess as well, you know, inflation-linked bonds were once novel, uh, and now that's a bog-standard mm. government bond mm. product. Um, I, I, I yes. would say, though, about green bonds, the, the, difference, the difference there is that they are, although the use of proceeds is dedicated towards specific, funding specific projects, which is not the case with uh, SLBs, the point about them is that they are a bog-standard vanilla bond. Other than that, you know, the the, the yeah. fixed rate coupon and a certain yeah. maturity, and Germany was very keen to sort of make that point by mm-hmm. when it came to the market with its green bond, it issued a sort of a facsimile tranche of the same deal that was a conventional a conventional bond, didn't it? To sort of get around that way. So I think probably green bonds are slightly simpler, I suppose, from a pricing point of view.
1: Yeah, they certainly are, and uh, you know th- this is a, g- a genuine step into the unknown that Uruguay is is taking. Um, you know, it, 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 we don't, maybe the deal won't come. We don't know. Mm-hmm. Maybe it won't go well. Uh, maybe it'll be a huge success. I, I, I do think there's a bit of a factor that investors like, they like to be in the first deal or something. They, they like something yeah. exciting and new. And um, so maybe it's only really the second deal that somebody brings that, that will be the, that really tell us where whether this is going to uh, catch on.
2: Yeah, well, speaking of investors, uh, who are these bonds for? Uh, is this going to appeal to a particular niche of investor rather than a broad base?
1: I don't know that they're. I don't. I don't have inside track on what the marketing strategy is, but I. I would expect that Uruguay will be hoping to get um, a lot of its normal investors to to come on board, and I think if they don't, it, they're going to struggle. Um, But but obviously it will have special appeal to investors with with a particular interest in, you know, ESG issues, responsible investing and so on.
2: And they tend to be more starved of assets than other other buyers, don't they? Which I guess helps helps Uruguay with its pricing.
1: It could. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And, And actually this year. Uh, green labeled bond issuance in general in the in the broadest sense, is has actually decreased um i mean all bond issuance has decreased but but um but if asset managers have been able to gather investment funds for green investing you know and that's been going up then they they will be more squeezed and sort of desirous of paper than others
2: and and finally, do we have a sense of timing for what what happens next with the Uruguay's deal? Uh,
1: sorry, no. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, it typically, I haven't. We haven't. We don't know whether they've mandated banks. Um, the, I mean, you would you would normally expect when when the framework is published that then there would then be a roadshow um, to market it to investors and the, and a deal would come, you know, within a few weeks. I, I mean, normal timing it could come in three or four weeks um but we just don't know
2: okay well doubtless we'll be uh, back talking about this deal again when it when and if it does happen um but for now let's talk about bankers bonuses Uh, hi, Victoria. Thanks for joining
0: us. Hi, Ralph, Thanks for having me.
2: Um, tell us, what is the UK government planning to do with bankers' bonuses?
0: They want to stop limiting them, basically. That's what Kwasi Karteng um, hinted last week. He would like to potentially announce today.
2: Right. So how are they limited? Uh, tell us that and give us a brief history of why they were limited and uh, when that was done and why the UK is now sort of breaking ranks with with that decision that policy?
0: Yeah, of course. Um, so after the financial crisis 2008, um, there was a certain certain desire to kind of limit the incentive for bankers to take massive risks um, that might that might bite back um, a little later. And one of the ideas how to do that was to, to limit the bonuses that that banks could pay them, so that um, yeah, they wouldn't be encouraged to earn more and more money if they take more and more risks. And um, this was an EU, um, an EU cap that was that was introduced, and it limits the bonus that banks can pay their bankers, investment bankers, to 100% of their salary. So if you earn a million pounds a year, um, you can then have another million in a bonus and. If you get specific shareholder approval, this there is
2: an exception, isn't there?
0: Um, Yeah, if you if you get shareholder approval, then you can you can double that to 200 percent. So then a one million salary can get a two million bonus. And the UK is now um, now that they've left the EU and no longer have to have to follow those those rules. they're, they're thinking about scraping them because there's hopes to make the city a more attractive place for really good people to work, essentially.
2: Yeah, because there's been a, a, a drainage of staff, hasn't there, uh, since Brexit to other financial centers in the EU, um, uh, along with a lot of uh, tax incentives and uh, so on to, to get them to leave London, um, hasn't there?
1: Yeah, not caused by the uh, exactly. bonus cap, but by, uh, you know, the EU essentially wanting uh, business involving European companies and European investors to be done by people in within the union whom they can regulate.
2: Now, what's interesting is um, you can see the problem from before the crisis because bonuses uh, for for those of our listeners who either are not in the capital markets or uh, have not been in the capital markets for very long um, were typically in the pre-crisis area paid out cash um, at the end of the year so uh, as you were saying Victoria you could you could put a trade on and um, it would be in the money come bonus time and you'd claim the benefit for that and then it could all go wrong uh five years down the line the same position and you'd have no no sort of comeback you know it would cost the, the the trader nothing um to to use that example um so there was a sort of moral moral hazard wasn't there
0: yeah absolutely there there was this moral hazard that that the bonus cap was was meant to to take care of the problem is that we know that research suggests that the bonus cap doesn't actually work in that way it's not that effective to in in disincentivizing bankers from taking those risks because there there was a study that the IMF um published it's it's linked in in the the piece I wrote if anybody is interested in it um and they found that basically the moment that banks just increase the base salary or um, the labor market in general compensates for for the bonus cap in any way this this effect is gone more or less and that is exactly what the Bank of England says happened in the UK especially um, banks just, yeah, banks just increase the the base, the, the base pay, the fixed pay for, for bankers. So in the end, it doesn't make this much of a difference.
2: No, in fact, you're then sort of guaranteed more money, whether you do exactly. well or not, take too much risk or too little risk. And um, and of course, you increase the fixed cost base yeah, of the business, absolutely. which makes it a less, you know, a less sort of stable business um, long term, I guess, because then you have to start sort of Firing people, rather than just simply reducing the variable, the variable part of their pay. Um, but what other methods were there uh, that were deployed for um, managing sort of bankers wanting to take excess risk in the way they were compensated?
0: Yeah, there, there definitely are a few, and the IMF again suggested some that they thought were more ex- uh, more effective. And you you can use the bonus for that, but. It's it's not effective to just say oh yeah we cap it, um, but rather a bank could link it to their long term financial health if they, for example, pay part of it in in long term bonds. Um, or there, mm. are, there are clawback mechanisms which are which basically mean that if you're paid a really big bonus for whatever decision you did or deal you closed, if a couple of years down the line your decisions actually turn out to have done longer term damage. Then you might have to return parts of your bonus, so that people are a bit more disciplined um, and and think a bit about what they do. Um, and as long as those are very clearly tied to a risk assessment, they seem to be quite effective. It, you just can't have bankers believe that the bank is just abusing that to um, take out a bad business year on them. But yeah, those seem to be those seem to be slightly more targeted measures that that actually work more in, in the way they're they're meant to.
2: Okay, so I guess we can say that this is a, a reasonable policy to reverse. Yeah. Um, the reasons discussed, but the, the timing is uh, incredible, isn't it? This is this is coming at a time when the country is facing an energy crisis, and I I almost I almost feel sorry for the bankers in the sense that they you know they are not exactly uh, deeply beloved by the public and. <laughs> And now they're being enriched by a government um, just at the time when when all sorts of other people are really, really struggling with the cost of living. It's, it's quite something, isn't it?
0: Yeah, and I think calling it incredible is still a huge euphemism. I would maybe go for words like absolutely terrible um, <laughs> because, yes, there are reports of... Nurses who have to face uh, the decision to heat or eat uh, that was a headliner somewhere and there's teachers saying they're handing out um, food to poor pupils that are that are struggling and also quasi I mean if you do a measure like this, why not pair it why not say, okay we have this amazing relief package that will, help everybody and we'll help you all get through the winter. And to fund that, we'll remove the bonus cap because then we get loads more income tax Um, and then we can pay for that. But no, what was done here? Is that first of all, we're going to make bankers richer, which is how it's going to be perceived by the public. And also, we're going to tighten universal credit and we're going to remove, we're going to lower benefits that we pay to people on part time work, which just means I, it makes you wonder if, if quasi quitting secretly wants a revolution to happen. But yeah, um, god awful timing.
1: And another interesting and, and odd aspect is that. Um Probably very few people in the city are expecting to get a particularly big bonus this year anyway. it's It's been a pretty tough year for, for capital markets. Um, and, you know, bonus pools are going to be down uh, at most institutions. And I suppose, finally, what we don't know is how banks and, and other institutions are going to react to this. It's going to be a, a little bit embarrassing for them, I think, especially at first, um, nobody will exactly want to be the first mover and sort of get all the headlines saying, oh, you know, this firm is in, is whacking up bonuses. Um, and, you know, the banks may have their own doubts about whether I- I- enormous bonuses are necessarily a good thing. So um, it will be very interesting to watch and see, you know, whether behavior actually changes and, and in, in what ways.
2: Well, and especially at a time, just uh, as, as we've reported on Global Capital, that a number of banks are starting to cull staff for one reason or another. And one of those reasons being yeah. that hasn't been a particularly good year. So, um, yeah. yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it shakes out. Well, whatever happens to your comp this year or indeed your job, rest assured it costs nothing to follow what's going on in capital markets by subscribing to the Global Capital Podcast. It just remains for me to thank John and Victoria for uh, joining me to record this edition and to thank our producer Gerald Hayes who puts it all together. Uh, We'll be back with more from the capital markets next week, so thank you very much for listening and goodbye.